This NBA season, make every three-pointer, alley-oop, and buzzer beater even more exciting with FanDuel. You can bet on everything from first baskets and number of dunks to which player will drain the most threes. Or stack your bets with the same-game parlay for a shot to win even bigger. It's quick, easy, and you'll get your winnings fast. So download the app today and see why we're North America's number one sportsbook. Make every moment more with FanDuel. 19 plus and physically located in Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-866-531-2600 or visit connectsontario.ca. Hey guys, and welcome to the wrap-up. This is the official Raptors Republic live post-game show where we recap, dissect, and have some fun talking about the latest Raptors game. Again, if you were here hoping to hear the voice of our friend Samson Folk, unfortunately he won't be here tonight with the Raptors Republic reaction podcast. But fortunately enough, I should say, we are here to recap the game for you. So again, this is a live show. So if you are following live, you're going to see the best tweets and some of the best moments flowing across the screen throughout the show. And if you're listening to the podcast, buckle up. We're going to have some fun. I'm your co-host, Sahal Abdi. And tonight, as always, we have my co-host here with me, Oren Weisfeld. Uh, if you all could like, obviously, and comment. Uh, and hopefully subscribe if you still haven't already. I mean, if you're following us at this point, hopefully you've subscribed to our channel. Um, turn on the post notifications. Do all of that for that. And Oren, tonight, I quickly wanted to get into the game as, as soon as we could because... For me, this was a bounce-back win for the Raptors. Um, They beat the Houston Rockets 122-111, moving the Raptors back to 500 on the season. They're now 7-3 in their last 10 games, so they're looking good again. Um, Some notable injuries for the game, Oren, was Pascal Siakam was out uh, for Toronto and Christian Wood was out for Houston. Um, Any quick thoughts, Oren, you had about the game, uh, about that little Houston run specifically at the end? Yeah, well, I mean, I think we could start off talking about the fact that the Raptors had no coaches. That <laughs> seems like seems like a big deal, but it didn't yeah. feel like a big deal, I, I don't think, at any point in the game. Even Pascal's yeah. absence, I thought, you know, I was watching the game to kind of see how is this team going to gonna react to not having Pascal there. And it turns out that they, they reacted really well. And they, they just filled his his hole with, you know, a bunch of guys stepping out in the ilk of Norm Powell, uh, Fred, and obviously Kyle had a really huge game. And and their bigs, you know, who kind of, you know, they didn't start small and said they went Boucher and um, Baines played a lot. Their bigs, I thought, played really well. So in terms of, like, that adjustment, because um, I'll just start there, I thought, I thought, yeah, like, Nick Nurse on the sideline wasn't, he wasn't that missed in this one game sample size. What do you think? Yeah, for sure. Um, Oren mentioned it for you guys. Most of the Raptors coaching staff wasn't there uh, for tonight. Uh, Nick Nurse was missing. Um, majority of the guys are missing. Sergio Scariolo, who's the assistant coach for Toronto, um, was named, I guess, the temporary head coach for tonight's game. Um, he's a guy who um, I think has – pretty good basketball pedigree. I mean, he's the Spain basketball head coach, the international head coach for Spain. Uh, he won gold in FIBA a couple of years ago with them, Marcus all and the rest of those guys. So, I mean, in terms of basketball minds, you can't really go wrong with the rest of Nick nurse's staff. Um, it was odd, honestly, or in seeing looking at the bench and just seeing the majority of guys missing. I mean, guys are already, um, you know, kind of using social distancing, but it just looked like, I mean, nobody was there really. Yeah. Uh, again, Pascal Siakam did miss the game, so that was kind of odd as well. Um, quick question, Oren. This is kind of strange, but for me, you know, Sergio 
why was Sergio there and, and Nick Nurse and the rest of them weren't? I mean, I, I'm sure you don't know the, the actual answer to that, but no, I think I do. do. I think I do. Oh, okay, okay. Sergio was just in um, wherever the FIBA camp was. He was away okay. for the team for like two weeks coaching Spain. And then he just got back and he was quarantining and they didn't know if he would finish his quarantine in time um, to get back to the, basically this, but I guess he finished it just in time as the other coaches had to sit out. He, he finishes quarantine and now, which is weird because that means he was just like, he had his mind on the Spanish national team for the last two weeks. And then he just got thrown into this situation, <laughs> which must've been hard, but I thought he managed the rotation really, really well. And, yeah. uh, and he got a nice little challenge, which uh, Nick Nurse, Sergio's challenge rate of 100% is much better than Nick Nurse's, <laughs> who I think comes in around like, I don't know, 15%. He's not very good at it. No, no, he's not. I feel like Nick Nurse, when he's challenging calls in, on, on the court, it's more, you know, it comes out of anger more than anything for him. Um, I want like to Kyle compete. Lowry's like demand to challenge something. Yeah, that, that as well. I mean, when Kyle yeah. Lowry's telling you to, to challenge, you can't really say no to that. I mean, Chris Boucher, I feel like when he fouls anybody, he's telling them to coach the challenge. But when it's Kyle Lowry, it's totally different. Um, the Raptors did struggle, Oren, offensively early. Uh, Houston was kind of switching everything. You don't see that a lot from teams. I mean, you see it from Toronto all the time. Um, Toronto's kind of used to the more, you know, classic defensive approach where, like, teams are, you know, they aren't switching really. And there's uh, mismatches for Toronto that they can attack, you know, that's created by their screens. Early in the game, Toronto kind of kept it close. Um, but Houston, I think one of the most interesting points of the game was that, you know, relative to the, to the opponents Toronto have faced in the last few games, Houston in this game was doing a lot of driving and kicking, which is kind of John Wall's strength. But when I looked up the stats, Oren, they shoot terrible from the three as a team. So all this driving and kicking, which is a lot of what the Raptors do as well, um, was it helping out Houston or was it hurting them, did you think? Yeah, so I don't know. It's a loaded question. Like both teams yeah. played small. And yeah. so the paint was completely open for both teams to exploit. And so it was really a matter of who's going to like exploit it better. And I think Houston, yeah, like they said it on the broadcast, they shoot the worst percentage from three in the league. I think Toronto, like when you look at it from a pure like which team is more used to playing this style, that's Toronto's style. So Toronto really forced Houston into playing this drive and kick game. But if it was maybe just a drive and kick and a shot, then Houston would be comfortable. But Toronto's rotations after the first quarter for the rest of the game, they were just so much better than Houston's and they won the battle in terms of making Houston swing it a few more times, drive again, swing to the point where they weren't getting the looks. I don't think they wanted. And um, like, in terms of the past opponents compared to Houston, to me, it just felt like this team is not, they, I don't want to read too much into it, but it didn't feel good. It didn't feel like they liked playing together. It didn't feel like the body language was good. They only started really playing in the fourth quarter. I thought their first three quarters, Houston was just kind of going through the motions really. And um, Toronto, you know, they, they just played, I thought a better, a better game from start to finish. Yeah, for sure. Like I said, they kept it close early. I mean, it was 31-30 in the first quarter, and I was kind of wondering why that was the case because Toronto didn't shoot well at all compared to the Rockets. And then I looked at the turnover column, and I realized once again the Raptors, you know, forced a bunch of turnovers early, which kept them in the game. They forced five in the first quarter. 
And, you know, this is a trend, you know, Oren, we keep talking about with Toronto that since they've moved to that smaller lineup, they've become this turnover-creating machine, which kind of keeps them in games where, you know, they shooting-wise, sometimes they don't have any business being in. Um, so that that was, a you know, a plus for Toronto. Um, throughout the game, I think, Oren, we both saw each backcourt back kind of having success with John Wall and Victor Oladipo, you know, who did really well in this game. And then, you know, Kyle Lowry and Van Vliet, who we'll get into later, um, you know, they allowed, you know, the Raptors allowed 59 points in the first half. I had to write that down because Houston, again, is not a good offensive team. Um, they shoot, you know, horribly from three. They're 27th in the league in shooting percentage this season, 23rd in shooting efficiency, you know, 24th in field goal percentage, 30th in three-point percentage, and they don't, you know, really assist the ball all that well. They're 25th in team assists per game. So this isn't a good offensive team, um, but they did have success early on in the season when Christian Wood was there. So I was kind of wondering, it can't just be Christian Wood. What really kind of, you know, makes this team a competitive team? And it's their defense. I mean, they're eighth in, in opponent effective field goal percentage. They're ninth in shooting efficiency. This is a really good defensive team, Oren. They got guys like Daniel House, guys like P.J. Tucker, John Wall, who even after his you know injury is still, I think, a formidable defender. Um, do you like? Did you like what you saw from Houston? I guess aside from the body language defensively on Toronto at points in the game, or do you just think they just don't have enough talent to kind of? Um, stay competitive with the team like Toronto? Um, yeah, I mean, like, it was kind of interesting to watch because the teams played a pretty similar style in terms of, like, being five out and then kind of, like, um, collapsing to the paint when someone drove. And I had the same thought at the beginning of the game, like, okay, if we're going to play this style, you have John Wall and Victor Oladipo, who are great drivers, and the Raptors don't have a whole lot of drivers, right? Um, yeah. But I honestly, like, some Raptors just impressed me that I didn't really think would have big games. Like, okay, Norm Powell, I expected at the start of the game he would have a big one because he's their best, you know, he's their best blow-by guy. He's their best, one of their best finishers at the rim. And he was doing that tonight. And he even had some playmaking pop tonight, which was kind of, nice to see he was just getting into the paint and if he had a, a lane he was attacking and if not he was passing out but then like it's hard for me to say whether it was you know bad defense or good offense I think I would honestly just say a little bit better offense from the Raptors perspective because some of Lowry's buckets were pretty unstoppable Fred who I, I mean we we might as well get into it now because I don't think our producer uh, is going to get us clips so we might as well get into like all this right now. Fred really impressed me because the start of the game, he kept going to the rim and he kept getting blocked, trying to get fouls, not getting anything his way. And I was like, okay, you need to like chill. You need to look for your teammates, get a paint touch, then, then pass out. Yes. But he was just relentless in his attack of the rim. And he just eventually started getting calls, you know, started getting finishes at the rim started finding his teammates when they overhelped on him. And I was just really impressed because we don't think of Fred as a great, like, you know, blow by guy who gets to the rim. Um, but tonight he did a really good job just like operating in that paint area. Yeah, for sure. I was impressed with Fred. And like you said, Norman Powell 
I think, was one of the best players on the court, at least offensively. He was 10 for 15 from the field, which is, which is crazy because, you know, Norm's shot profile is not that of a guy that you would expect to go 10 for 15 in the game. He's shooting every type of shot there is. He's shooting a mid-range jumper, you know, off the dribble threes. He's coming off curls. He's attacking the rim. So he 10 for 15 is a great number for Norm. He had 30 points. He was a plus 15 on the night. I was really impressed with him, um, especially in the first half. I mean, you know, Toronto kind of looked for him more than anyone, I guess, other than Kyle Lowry offensively. Um, like I said, he was coming off a bunch of curls, having a lot of success off that. And one play, you know, stood, stood out to me, um, I think the most Oren, was where he, you know, the shot clock was winding down. I think there's maybe two or three seconds left, you know, in the second quarter. And he ended up drawing a three-point a three-point foul on P.J. Tucker, which sent him to the line for three. And it was funny because P.J. is, is a guy who's well-known to Raptors fans, right? He's a guy that, you know, he was here for his little stint. Um, uh, you know, every single Raptors fan alive wanted to re-sign him. Apparently, the story was that he took less money to go to Houston and play with James Harden. Uh, I mean, it is what it is. Only one team has a ring since then. But, I mean, that's not the point. Um, P.J. in that play was um he, he at first it looked like he wanted to argue with the foul and then i saw the replay and then that's when he i think he saw it as well either on the jumbotron or maybe he just knew the whole time and he just knew there was no arguing with that i mean he didn't give norm a place to uh, to land at all and he hit him on the arm so it's like a it was a it was a it was a double shot for norm but i i that stood out for me at least um for norman powell who knows if he really meant to do that i mean he was just shooting that regardless with the shot clock winding down but Again, Norm has become that offensive guy for Toronto where, you know, where Fred's – when Fred's not shooting the ball that well, he was 6 for 23 tonight, um, Norm is there, you know. And, and Kyle, since he came back, has been having, you know, one hell of an offensive showing. I wanted to talk a little bit about Kyle Oren because this is a guy who, I mean, let's, let's just keep it 100. When this guy's on the court – he literally looks like the best player on the court by far. The offense runs smoothly. Defensively, there's a lot more communication. Um, you know, Kyle Lowry, I'm just going to quickly just leave it at that. What did you think about the game Kyle Lowry had tonight against Houston? Yeah, no, he was excellent. It's two two really good games in a row for Kyle. And, uh, you know, he's had a little bit more of an up-and-down season than, than I think we're used to seeing from him. Yeah. And then also, also a couple small injuries don't help. But um, today was honestly a masterclass in terms of not even scoring. Like he only took nine shots mm-hmm. and he affected the game in so many of his, you know, smart Kyle Lowry ways. And, and he was really the driver of success. When you look at like the plus minuses or just like the groups that got it done, you know, the only groups that really struggled was when Fred was playing with bench lineups and I mean, it's not surprising because there's just not a lot of offensive firepower on those bench lineups. Um, but but when Kyle's in the game, he's it's just different, doing, man. It's different. And he's he's doing a really good job of finding guys like Norm Powell, finding OG Ananobi under the basket. Like he just those guys are so much more successful when he's in the game because he's dictating the way the offense flows. And um, like as a playmaker too, I think. He's been, I don't know if it's chemistry, like developing a little more chemistry with guys like Baines and Boucher, 
or what it is, but he's slinging like a couple passes a game now that you're just like, wow. Like that are just like, he's finding these seams that you cannot see watching the TV and he just, he'll, he'll put it through and it's just like, all right, well, there's an easy bucket for you. You're welcome. Yeah. You know, Oren, this is one of those games for me where you literally watch Kyle Lowry and this is one of those games where you think this guy has to be like regarded as one of the best guards in this league because he's a multi-dimensional player like you said he affects the game in so many ways i just looked at the box score i didn't even know Warren that he had a triple double he had 20 points you know 11 rebounds 10 assists he was a plus 22 led everybody by a huge margin in the plus minus category like you said only nine shots he was four for five from three you know didn't miss a free throw he had three offensive rebounds which is crazy because lowry's lowry's barely six feet i mean i know Houston was playing a small lineup but um, you know, box score tells you, you know, the same thing your eyes tell you with Lowry in this game. He, to me, was the best player on the court. Um, and that's an interesting point you made with the bench units because that's what I wanted to get into myself. Um, do you think, Oren, that Kyle kind of has that success with the bench unit because he's just a much better playmaker and sees the court so much better than Fred Van Fleet? Um, or do you think it's just a natural thing with team chemistry with guys like you know, McCaw, who play in such short stints, and Boucher and all these guys having such great chemistry with Kyle. Yeah, no, I think it's I think it's just like a mix of things that comes with being in the league for so long and being such a smart player. You pick up these tricks along the way that help you succeed. Like, no matter which way the game is kind of rolling, you can yeah. figure out little ways to turn it around in your favor. And like Fred give him credit because he's becoming so much better of a playmaker. He's becoming so much better of like your point guard on the floor without other point guards, but it's still his first year really doing that. So he just needs time to really like prop up bench units of, you know, Utah, Bembry, Baines, like those guys are not easy to prop up on the offensive end. Kyle doesn't. We look at that and we go, Oh, Fred should be able to do this. You know, if Kyle can do it, Fred, why can't he do it when he's on the court? But like Kyle is like a, you know, a hall of fame player, you know, you can't just compare other point guards to him very easily. And I think Fred will slowly get better at that side of the game as, as in being the only real playmaker on the floor. Yeah, for sure. There's only two DNPs in this game. I believe the Raptors went 12 deep again, or possibly 11. Um, I quickly want to get into, you briefly mentioned Utah Watsonabe, and I, he played 17 minutes. This is a guy who, you know, Oren will miss a game or two or three, won't play at all, DMP, 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 and then he'll come in and be expected to kind of produce in the 15, 10, 15, 20 minutes that he's given. He played 17, like I said. He had four points, four rebounds. You mentioned so many times that, you know, he's such a good rebounder on the court. You see his energy. Um, is totally different. Like, he stands out. Utah, you don't even have to be watching Utah Watanabe, and he just stands out um, completely on the court. He was a minus five, but I don't think the box score really tells tells all for Utah. I think he was, you know, a plus in this game for Toronto. He's a very, he's a very good defender. There was one possession, specifically Oren, where he was guarding John Wall so tight on the perimeter, and I was kind of wondering why, because John isn't really known for his, you know, perimeter shooting. He's known for his slashing. And I think John Wall immediately saw it and was like, all right, clear out. Everybody clear out. Took him on the elbow, easy drive for a lay. 
Um, did you like what Watanabe did today in, in, in his 17 minutes? Did you like kind of the energy that he brought to the game? Yeah. Um, he was a uh, – what was the one play I'm thinking of? <laughs> I don't know. He's, 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 he's you know, it was kind of nice to see him because we haven't seen a lot of him since the – Yes. The dunk we do not mention, but um, like he's a really good rebounder, so I think he really helps. Yeah. He really helps to like be in those kind of transitional groups. Um, and I feel like that's a pretty good transition into just the rebounding in general, because the Raptors out rebounded the Rockets pretty pretty well uh, by eleven, despite them both playing small pretty much the whole game, and that to me was a uh, kind of like a situation of one team is used to playing small and has kind of figured out a lot of the rebounding problems along the way this season like they started off as the worst rebounding team in the league and slowly it's kind of crept up Baines has done a better job defensive rebounding Boucher has done a better job they've done a better job as a group um and it's just like comes with experience of playing together and gang rebounding and making more of an effort to box out whereas the Rockets you know They've played small a bit this season, but it, it hasn't been, like, it, it, nearly as much. Like, they're not used to starting small until Wood got injured and they dropped Boogie, which was very recently. So the Rockets kind of, you know, they, they have to figure some things out if they're going to play this small. Whereas it was just clear to me that the Raptors have figured some things out. Like, at least in terms of a rebounding and, and some other things, like, the other thing that the Raptors to me were clearly better at was like the defensive rotations after the initial collapse. Those two things are night and day compared to the beginning of this season for the Raptors. Um, and it, it's just a matter of playing together and, you know, we freak out at the beginning of the season, but it's, it's worth noting going forward here in future seasons that smart teams will figure things out. Yeah, for sure. Smart teams do figure things out. Um, you know, you mentioned the rebounding advantage that Toronto had. It was 48 to 37. Um, some other advantages Toronto had, they shot seven more free throws than Houston attacking the rim a little bit more. Um, and, and oddly Fred enough, had, Fred had eight free throw attempts. Yeah, which was good because, again, he went six for 23. So you want to see, you know, Fred engage in the game. Toronto, like I said, shot 27 free throws. Oren, they made 26. They missed a single free throw on the night, which is really good. They took advantage of getting to the line. They also shot 39% from three. Um, you know, and, and again, I hate to mention it for Houston, but in this game, you know, they shot 47 threes and they only made 16 of them. That's 34%, which is right around their season average of 33%, which is last in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, you know, if that was by design. I don't know if... You know, again, this wasn't a game for Toronto where um, there was a guy on the other end or in that had to be double teamed like a Giannis or an Embiid um, or any really guard that really posed, you know, massive matchup problems for them. Um, that leads me or into my favorite, you know, I have a favorite segment and then I have a second favorite segment, but I'll get to my favorite segment, which what, which is the, the opposing GM segment. You know, you are uh, or in Houston's opposing GM. You know, you have a bunch of expiring contracts for Houston this year. You have Victor Oladipo. You have Ben McLemore. DeMarcus Cousins was just waived by Houston, so you don't got to worry about him anymore. And then you have a guy like David Nwaba, 
who during the game, again, was very weird because he was getting into it with Kyle Lowry at times. But he's looked at as, as kind of like a 3 and D guy, I guess, for Houston. Your core guys you're looking at, Oren, for this team, at least contract-wise, are John Wall, Christian Wood, Eric Gordon, Jayshon Tate, and Daniel House. You have a brand-new head coach in Steven Silas, you know, highly respected around the league. He's seen it all. Um, he's been an assistant coach, by the way, for 20 seasons or 19 of the last 20 seasons. The only season he wasn't, he was an NBA scout. So this guy's seen it all. Um, what I'm getting at, Oren, is what route do you take with this team roster-wise? Do you kind of build it year by year with a similar core? Um, something the Suns, Timberwolves, Kings have been trying, at least trying for the last decade. Do you try and get rid of all the pricey vets there, the John Walls, Oladipo, eventually you get rid of him? Do you just do a full-out tank job? Or do you become buyers in the market? Do you kind of add to what you already have in the upcoming trade deadline and in free agency, what do you do if you're Houston? Because I feel like I, I don't even know if their fans know kind of what the, the organizational route is, what the, what the future holds for this team. What, what's your opinion right. on what Houston should do? All right. Well, I think what they should do and what they're going to do is kind of different because yeah. they have a bunch of nerds in their front office. And so I think they're going to trade off everyone and get as many first round picks um, as they can. Like, I think Oladipo, at least. John Wall is an easy person to trade, but Oladipo, I think they're just going to try to trade for whatever picks they can get. And I think they're going to try to burn it to the ground. Tucker, Gordon, all those guys. Um, I'm not sure that's what I would do, um, just because they have some really nice pieces and they could probably like do kind of like a short rebuild um, and, and kind of be back because like, you know, Oladipo is not old. Christian yeah. Wood is not old. Those guys are entering their prime. So, like, what I would probably do is go, like, the Tucker-Gordon route, sell off those guys and try to compete in the near future in a couple of years from now. But I think they're in for kind of a longer rebuild um, just, just based on kind of the future – or, sorry, the past of that front office and also, like, what they did in the Harden trade. Like, we don't know exactly what happened, but – um, but it seems like they chose picks over Ben Simmons. And if you're going to choose picks over Ben Simmons, that shows that you're in it for the long run. Yeah, for sure. Um, I was looking at some of their contracts, Eric Gordon. That's a mess. Like that's a total mess. Christian Wood at least is probably one of the better contracts in the league. If not the best contract in the league, I think he signed a three or 41. Um, but let's move on because, you know, this is a Raptors post-game live show, not a Houston Rockets post-game live show. Um, I wanted to get into, or in my second favorite segment, which is the Raptors' turning point of the game, which is essentially the dagger of the game, um, where it started off, you know, it was late in the game, I believe two, two or so minutes left in the game. Norman Powell drives to the hoop, um, dishes it off to Chris Boucher, who, who was semi-open, I want to say, from the corner. He misses. The ball eventually leaks out, ends up in Kyle Lowry's hands. And you know Kyle Lowry. I mean, at this point, we talked about it. He's going to find the open guy no matter what um, he finds Fred Van Fleet at the top of the key. And that ended up being the dagger. Fred Van Fleet hit it. The Rockets called a timeout. And I think the Rockets at that point knew the game was over. That was the wrap up turning point of the game. Did you enjoy that play? Cause I felt like it was kind of like the basketball gods coming together and going, okay, if this is going to miss from Chris Boucher, we're going to put it in Kyle Lowry's hands and see what he can do with it. Um, did you enjoy it? Did you enjoy that play? 
Yeah, I mean, pretty good pass from Norm. We don't see that that much from him. And OG yeah. deserves a tons of, ton of credit. I thought that was going to be called a foul. It was pretty borderline just because it was so aggressive. But um, OG definitely deserves a lot of credit for tipping that ball out to Kyle, who found Fred and who did the rest. Um, but, yeah. Yeah, that was a good play. Um, did you want to get into any other clips for yourself? or? Yeah, sure. Let's – well, yeah, if we have it here, I have a clip uh, that people were talking about on Twitter just because it was a pretty special play. You know, a lot of times I get into more X's and O's stuff, I guess, but yeah. this was just kind of beautiful. So it's also important to highlight the beauty once in a while. And it was just Fred uh, kind of attacking the paint, drawing a ton mm -hmm. of help. And this only happens in terms of this amount of help only happens because he was having his way in there for most of the game. You know, like I said, after the first quarter, he was just getting to the line or he was actually finishing at the cup or he was spraying it out. And in this play, you know, Houston clearly felt that they overhelped on him and he just dropped a really nice bounce pass to Bembry who did the rest <laughs> and had a ridiculous layup, probably got fouled, um, like double clutched it and, and yeah, had the reverse kind of layup there. So Beautiful on both of their parts, especially Bembry for that finish. And like, maybe we can just finish off here talking about Bembry a bit, even though I feel like we do it every episode. It just <laughs> can't be stated enough that like, I, I don't know, like it requires a little bit of luck, like being an NBA team and being a good one. Like Rondé Hollis Jefferson was nice last yeah. season, but he didn't play in the playoffs for obvious weaknesses. And I feel like in Bembry, they really just found a guy um, off basically the scrap heap in terms of being on a minimum deal who's a real, real guy. And, you know, four for six today, he he just is a playoff guy to me. You know, he he's pretty multidimensional in terms of he can be a playmaker with the ball in his hands or he can play off ball. Um, he's a really good transition playmaker. He's just a nice, good defender. Um, yeah, we say it every week, but it's really – important that they have him on a minimum deal this year i think yeah Bembry is one of those guys that every single game it just looks like he belongs and i'm happy he's kind of carved out his role as a role player one more Oren role player i want to mention before we wrap it up is quickly aaron baines i feel like you know he like we said has been up and down all season but he gave toronto really good minutes tonight his size advantage over almost every rocket player was nice to see because he's usually the guy that's smaller um, in that front court, in that front court for at least the last few games we've seen um, versus Bam and, and Giannis and Embiid. So it was good to see him kind of, you know, uh, do well in that aspect. Um, I think he played 15 minutes, if I'm not mistaken. He had nine points and six rebounds, which is exactly what you want from Aaron Baines. He also shot 50% from the field. Um, so he's another guy that contributed to the win. And for us, guys, that's going to wrap it up for tonight. Um, this was the wrap-up. We appreciate all the live viewers on Twitter, YouTube, and obviously our podcast listeners for tonight. Uh, before we do finish off, we want to quickly thank our sponsor, RF Qureshi from Remax, for supporting the show. RF specializes in investments, rentals, luxury homes, and so much more. His details are at the bottom of the screen, as per usual. And again, this was the wrap-up, your Raptors Republic official post-game live show, where your Raptors came up with a bounce-back win versus the Houston Rockets. 122 to 111. I'm your co-host Sahal Abdi again here with Oren Weisfeld. 